Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis of Bible Interact. Sometimes you hear people say that God has rejected all of Israel as a corporate entity. If so, the children of Israel no longer belong to God. This is not too common. It's much more common for people to say, oh, that doesn't sound quite right. We'll modify it. And so they say, well, um, yes, all the children have been rejected, all the children of Israel have been rejected from by God, except those who believe in his son, Yeshua. But then we have the problem, what about all those people who lived before the time of Yeshua? So sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, if they believed in the coming of, of Yeshua, then they belong to God. Now, I have been suggesting in past uh, sessions something very different. I have shown from Scripture that it's clear that God considers himself the father of the children of Israel. The Jews know this. They take it to heart, and it never occurs to them that he decided all of a sudden to click his fingers and say, you're not my children anymore. He does call the children of Israel his firstborn son, and this is very important because the firstborn was entitled to a special inheritance called the birthright. That birthright was a leadership position, but only if the son proved himself worthy of that leadership position would he in fact inherit it. Just because he was born to the birthright doesn't mean he's going to inherit it, and another son who shows himself worthy will inherit it. And we spent some time taking a look at the narrative where the firstborn son lost the birthright and it was given to another son who was worthy to inherit it. Now what I want to do is I want to take this session and show you that of all the children of Israel, of all the children of Israel who have been born to the birthright, only a few will inherit the birthright, and those who inherit the birthright are identified as a remnant. Now, if a child of Israel did not inherit the birthright, he still belongs to God. For example, take Reuben, Reuven. He was the firstborn son of Jacob. He was entitled to the birthright, but scripture is very clear. He was not worthy to inherit the birthright. It was given instead to Joseph. And we see in the blessings that Jacob gives to his 12 sons that two of his sons have the, the qualifications to inherit the birthright. One is Joseph, the other is Judah. Reuben will not inherit the birthright, but he still belongs to God. His tribe still has an inheritance. They have an inheritance in the promised land. They inherit a, a tribal area of land. And so this, the story is telling us that all the children of Israel are born to this birthright, but only a few will inherit it. Those who do not inherit still belong to God. They still get an inheritance. What they have lost is the inheritance of the birthright, which is a leadership role. Now, 
what I want to do now is I want to point out something that we all recognize, that God is in the process of making a selection. We saw that in the narrative. We saw God selecting um, Isaac rather than Yishmael. He selected Jacob rather than Esau. He selected Joseph and Judah rather than Reuben. And he selected Joseph's younger son, Ephraim, instead of the firstborn Manasseh. So he is making a selection. And you can see that selection process not only in the Hebrew Scriptures, but you can see it in the New Testament as well. Now that has has bothered some Christians because they say, well, um, who will be saved? You know, if God's making a selection, is he making a selection of who will be saved? And some say, well, all you have to do is believe in his son. Uh, but then what about all those people who are going off and murdering and doing all this sinful thing? Maybe they don't really belong to God. Maybe they only belong to God if they are walking in righteousness or if they've made Yeshua Lord in their lives. So the Christians are, are confused about who really belongs to God. And you can see that with the different polar positions of interpretation. And, and then that is caused in part by this whole concept of God's making a selection. My suggestion, and I have come to this conclusion, I, I believe it very strongly, but you, you can't take me for truth. You can only take the Bible for truth. So I may give you this suggestion. You're going to have to go to Scripture and uncover it for yourself. The, so my suggestion is that the selection has nothing to do with who belongs to God. It has nothing to do with who will be saved. The selection process has to do with who will inherit the birthright that is, who is worthy to be part of the remnant. Now, the remnant is going to have a role to play, especially a prophetic role in the future, which we'll look at in another session. Right now, I just want to show you that those who are worthy to inherit the birthright will be a remnant. We've seen it in the narrative. We've seen the firstborn sons who lost the inheritance of the birthright and those who were declared worthy. Now, what I want to do in this session, I want to go into Hebrew poetry. The poetry is filled with this artistic nuances, and you, 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 ha you can't just read it literally and go on. You can't read it like a story. You can't read it like the narrative. You, you have to stop. You have to let it settle in. You have to look up key words. And, and this poetry is often includes prophetic passages telling us about what God is doing in this world. What is his plan? What, what is he calling us to do? What is going to happen in the future? And I always tell people, if, if you believe in the Left Behind series, you have a lot of work in the Bible to do. Because I certainly don't hold to the Left Behind series. I think it's, it's putting a, a guilt and fear on people, you know, and they're worried about whether they're really saved or not. Are they going to be left behind? Um, so let's. I, I, what I want to do is I want to go into the prophetic poetry and I want to show you the remnant, which is a righteous remnant. Because the ones qualified for the birthright are righteous ones. They submit themselves to God. Uh, they're worthy to be leaders of God's people because they're walking in God's ways. And this is the remnant. We'll start with a passage in Isaiah. Now you're going to recognize the first part of this. I want to point out to you that it's in the singular tense referring to the coming Messiah. This is Isaiah talking, and he's referring to, this is prophetic of the Messiah. It's in the singular. 
the Lord, the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now, Yeshua spoke those words at the beginning of his ministry. It's in the singular. It's talking, Isaiah's talking prophetically about the coming Messiah. Yeshua is saying, I am the one. I'm, but then what happens in Isaiah is it suddenly shifts to the plural. Instead of, of me and I, it's going to be they. It suddenly shifts to the remnant who will be with Messiah when he comes back to claim his inheritance. And we read, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. And they will repair the ruined cities. So it's shifting now to, that, to, the, to the remnant and what, and what the remnant is going to do at some time in the future. And then comes the conclusion, Isaiah's conclusion. And this is very powerful because it's clearly pointing to the remnant here. Listen, instead of your shame you will have a double portion. Well, the double portion is the inheritance that will be given to those with a birthright. He gets a double portion of inheritance and all the rest of the sons get a single portion. And it continues. Instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Portion is their inheritance. They have inherited the birthright. God has selected them to be the ones to inherit the birthright. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land. The word, word translated possess also means inherit. When you inherit, you have to possess your inheritance by going in and defeating the enemy. Everlasting joy will be theirs. So this is in the poetic passage in Isaiah, in one of the prophets in the Hebrew scriptures. It's prophetic. It's pointing to the future. And we can see... We can see the Messiah who has come, but it's still pointing to the, the remnant, and they will inherit this double portion in the land. Now, what are the requirements for the remnant? And you should be asking that question because you should be saying to yourself, you know, if you're a Jew, you want to be part of the remnant. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, but you're a believer in Christ, you belong to God, you also want to be part of the remnant. And to be part of the remnant, you have to be worthy. So, so if you belong to God, whether Jew or Gentile, you need to be saying, what must I do, Lord? Now, one of the requirements, by the way, is to stand faithful to the end. So, so we don't know, only God knows. But our heart desires to be part of the remnant, and we want to we live in this way. We want to work for God. We want to, to, to be special. All right, so let's look at the requirements. Faithful service is essentially the requirement for the remnant. For a believer in Christ, that means you submit to Yeshua as Lord. You make him the Lord in your life. He's the boss. You submit to him. You obey him. You want to be like him. You, you grow in, into a close relationship with him. You want to walk in his ways. You want to, and, and you want to serve him. You want to work for him. That's what it means. Now, if you go into Proverbs 2.21, it is, describes the righteous, uh, describes the remnant as upright and blameless. Upright is standing straight for God. You're not on a crooked path. Crooked path is walking in the ways of the world. You're standing upright. You're, you're standing for God. You're, you're walking in his ways. 
upright and blameless. Blameless is the word for being without sin. Now, fortunately, God only sees the heart. You know, we don't have to be totally sinless. God sees the heart. And, and, and so it's the heart. And if your heart desires to walk in God's ways, it's a process. You don't do it with a click of your fingers. It's a process. You grow into it. And you grow closer to your Lord Yeshua. And, and you walk more and more in God's ways. It's a process that you go through. And these are the ones that God is looking for. So Proverbs describes the upright and blameless who will live in the land and remain in it. Remain is from the verbal root yatar, which conveys the sense of being left. You're, you remain, you're left. Um, and, and, and yatar is used for the remnant. They're the, the remaining ones. At, at the time of the judgment, okay, those who are not ready and worthy are going to be pushed to the side. There's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth because people who thought they were going to be in the remnant are not going to be in the remnant. And they're going to be pushed to the side. They're going to have to wait. They're going to wait until a period of time after the millennial kingdom when we see the final battle, the final battle that will be fought between Yeshua, the commander-in-chief, and his remnant, and Satan, the commander-in-chief, with his remnant, and God's remnant is going to win, all right? So this is talking about the remnant, and it's this word yatar. Now, Amos is one of the prophets, and he echoes this concept of a righteous remnant. They're righteous ones. And he says of these righteous ones, hate evil. So we're learning. We're learning how to walk in God's ways and, and how to be in line for the remnant. Hate evil. Hate it. Love good. Wrap your arms around everything that is good and establish justice in the gate. That's that's where the the elder would sit at the gate and, and render his, his just decisions. Perhaps the Lord God of hosts may be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. So God is going to select a remnant based on these qualifications. Now, here we see a second, what I've just read to you, uses a second Hebrew word to identify the remnant, which is she'arit, which comes from the verbal root sha'ar, meaning also what remains or is left over. Thus, Amos explains that individuals out of Israel who display righteousness in their deeds and actions will be a remnant in the land. They are the ones who shun evil, they love what is good, they maintain justice in the courts. So God has, has it, all of the children of Israel are God's firstborn son, but it's individuals out of corporate Israel who are going to be selected by God to be worthy to inherit this birthright, which will make them part of the remnant. Now, Zechariah is a, another prophet, I'm, and I'm into the poetic prophecy, the, the poetic verse in, in the Hebrew scriptures that is, is speaking of the remnant and, and giving us this instruction in this poetic language about who will be the remnant, what is required to be the remnant, what are they going to do in the future. And Zechariah says, these are the things which you should do. Are you listening? Speak the truth to one another. You not only speak the truth, but you speak all good, kind words. No deceitful word, no lie, no uh, backbiting comes out of your mouth ever. And then Zechariah continues, Judge with truth and judgment for peace. 
in your gates. Again, the judge is sitting at the gate of the city. And when you judge with truth and judgment, you are going to bring peace upon, not only upon yourself, but all those who are around you. And, and judgment is to help them to serve good and evil. That's, that's what judgment is. It's discerning, it's cutting, it's selecting, it's cutting between good and evil. Also, let none of you devise evil in your heart against another. I see that happening a lot, by the way, and that shouldn't be happening. And do not love perjury. In other words, you always speak the truth. For all these are what I hate, declares the Lord. Now we go into another portion by another prophet, Zephaniah. We just heard Zechariah. Now we're going to hear Zephaniah, who, who describes the remnant in similar terms that conveys righteous behavior. Now, the purpose of this is to exhort God's children to walk in righteousness so that perhaps they may be worthy to be selected as part of God's remnant. That doesn't mean that they're being selected to be saved. It just means that they're going to be part of this remnant that has a leadership role to play in God's plan that is going to defeat the enemy and bring all of his children to him sometime after the millennial kingdom. So we see that individuals whom God will select as a remnant... Oh, let me read you the passage first. Okay, here's here's what... Um, what Zephaniah says. I will leave among you, leave is that remnant, I will leave among you a humble and lowly people. You know, I think learning to be humble was the hardest thing I had to do. And I worked at it. And someone said to me, um, oh, maybe three or four years ago, I'm amazed at how humble you are. I don't think of myself as humble, but I worked at it. I really worked at it. And apparently, I am coming across as humble. I, I hope so anyway, because you know our witness is not so much the words we speak, but but the, the way we walk, the actions that we live. And it's, it's hard to be humble, because the word makes us want to be the boss of our lives. You know, we don't want to submit to anybody. We want to be in charge. We want to be the boss. But here is Zephaniah saying, I will leave among you, meaning a remnant, a humble and lowly people, and they will take refuge in the name of the Lord. And then he goes on, the talk, he says the remnant of Israel. He's talking about the remnant of Israel, which is She'erit Yisrael, the remnant of Israel, will do no wrong. That's what it means to be righteous, do no wrong. Again, God only sees the heart. That doesn't mean you're not going to slip from time to time. Do no wrong, and tell no lies, nor will a deceitful tongue be found in their mouths. So, the conclusion here is that, that God has selected all the children of Israel to be his firstborn son, entitled to the birthright, entitled to be part of a remnant. However, they have to walk in righteous ways to prove that they are worthy of this special calling. It's a special calling. It's a calling that elevates them into a leadership position. They're leaders of God's people today, and they will be leader, very much leaders in a future role. Now, when you look around today at leaders, the ones that the world perceives as leaders may not be the ones that God is selecting as leaders. The world will, will look up to the one who has a lot of head knowledge. He's got a lot of degrees. The world will look up to charisma. 
the charismatic speaker who goes preaching on the preaching circuit. The world recognizes someone who, who takes on power, who wants power, who wants authority, that that's very important to him or to her. You look around, you're going to see people who, who don't even recognize themselves as a leader of God's people. They're very humble. They're very quiet in their way. You know, they, they, they study the Word of God. They put it into their hearts. They see somebody who needs help. They stop and they help that person. They, you know, they, they, they hear someone talking about depression or something and they, and they stop and they say a good word. They say a kind word. These are God's ears. These are the ones that we're reading about here in these, in these prophetic poetic passages. They're the lowly ones. They're the humble ones. They're the ones who are walking in righteousness, or at least their heart desires to walk in righteousness. Um, and, you know, it may be the mom at home who's dedicated to, to instructing her children, who's dedicated to going to Scripture to, to know how to be a godly wife. It, it may be the, the, the senior citizen whose spouse has died and, and goes to the senior center and, and you know plays bingo and does those things, but in the process is touching the lives of other people in very special ways. These are the leaders of God's people. And, and you know, by, by the way, um, we had a seminar recently um, where we did um, uh, press on to maturity, which is the word for per perfection. And we looked at a common teaching that we are born under sin and we cannot be perfect. You know, we, we depend on God to help us walk and to take away our sin and to forgive us. But what, when we went to Scripture, we saw that God doesn't see the negative. He doesn't see the way we walk in sins. He's there to judge us, not in a bad way, but in a way to guide us, you know, so that, so that we know when we're walking in sinful ways. But he sees the righteousness in us. He's, you know, he, he sees when we, we really work hard to, to give up backbiting. He, he sees us when we work, work really hard to, to, to try to repair perhaps a, a, a failing marriage. He, he sees that. And he sees, the, he sees the, the goodness in us. He sees the righteousness in us. And when we learn to see the goodness and the righteousness in ourselves, we become those people. <laughs> we become the good people, the people who don't speak evil, the people who are walking in righteousness. We become what we see. <laughs> and uh, it was an interesting seminar. We had, we had fun in the seminar working in Scripture and, and seeing those things. Now, uh, let me do uh, one more thing with you, and that is to go into Jeremiah chapter 31. And in verse 9, we're getting a description of the remnant. With weeping they will come, and by supplication I will lead them. Can you see Yeshua leading those who have been selected as the remnant to enter into the millennial kingdom to prepare for the final battle that will occur after the millennial kingdom? Can you just see them weeping? And by supplication I will lead them. I will make them walk by streams of waters. Water represents life. It represents all the, the you know the the running water that cleanses away the sin 
skins in the mikvah bath and it and the water that keeps us alive and it's pure water and it's wonderful water i will make them walk by streams of waters on a straight path in which they will not stumble that's that straight path not the wandering path the straight path for i am a father to israel he's a father to all of israel but listen listen how it ends I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Is Ephraim the firstborn? Absolutely not. Manasseh was the firstborn, but the birthright was given to Ephraim. This is talking about, this is pointing to, it's the remnant, it's Ephraim, it's those who are like Ephraim, who are selected as, as, as to be, as to be, to an, worthy to inherit the birthright, who will be there with a remnant. I am a father to Israel, but Ephraim is my firstborn son. And God is in the process of selecting those who are worthy of that inheritance to which the firstborn is born, but the firstborn has to prove himself worthy to inherit it. And I hope you have heard also in these passages how you can walk in a way that is worthy of perhaps being selected by God as as part of the remnant. God is going to make the selection, and we don't know because we have to stand faithful to the end. But our hearts want to be there with that. I wish you shalom.